Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. Everybody say, this time next year. We are in this series, and I am so excited about this series. It is a series about becoming the man, the woman of God that God's called you to be, so that this time next year, you can say, I did it. I accomplished my goals, I got in shape, I broke those bad habits, I started those good habits, I read my Bible this year, I went to church, I changed my attitude, I changed my marriage. We want you to win this year. God wants you to win this year. So we started off last week about picking your path and picking your people. This week, we're going to preach a message called Motion Activated. Everybody say, Motion Activated. Go to Ruth chapter two and verse one. Yes! And we we picked up last week in, in the story of Ruth. It's a story in the Old Testament. If you don't know where it is, no worries. I sometimes have to go to the concordance myself as a pastor to find out what page it is. So it's page 375. <laughs> I have no clue what page number it is in your Bible, but uh, Ruth is a story. In fact, the first chapter of Ruth is, is actually one of the most miserable chapters in the Old Testament because it starts off happy and it ends really sad. There's this woman named Naomi who happens to be the mother-in-law of Ruth. Naomi is married to a man named Elimelech. There's a famine in Israel, a famine in Bethlehem. They have no food, they're starving. So they move to another country to find provision. They go to Moab. And in Moab, there are two boys, uh, Naomi and Elimelech, they have two boys, they get married. And what happens is, her boys die, her husband dies, so Naomi is left by herself with these two daughter-in-laws, and now she's ready to move out of this country. She's ready to go back home and die in her birthplace. She's ready to go back to Israel and just die. She said, you know, the name Naomi means sweet, means kind, but at the end of chapter one, she said, I don't wanna be sweet anymore. I don't wanna be kind. She said, I'm changing my name from Naomi to Mara, which means bitter, sour, Life is no longer fun. So she was like, I'm done, and I'm just gonna die bitter. I'm gonna die as a bitter woman who's outlived her children. I'm angry at God, I'm, I'm sad, I'm mad. And yet, in, in, in front of her, she doesn't even realize that there's this girl that's decided to stay with her. One of the daughter-in-laws stayed in Moab. She said, this is, my, this is my homeland, this is where my family's from, this is my comfort zone, I'm gonna stay here. That was Orpah. But then this other girl, Ruth, her other daughter-in-law said, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. I'm leaving the past behind. I'm leaving my comfort zone behind. I'm leaving the place where I grew up behind. I'm paving a new path for my life. So Ruth picked a new path. She picked a new people, and she decided to go with Naomi on their way to Israel. She was leaving her uh, Moabite people, and she was going to the Israelites. Now, Ruth was an immigrant. She was a foreigner. She didn't know anything about this new land, and so they get there, and at the end of chapter one, it says that they got there right at the beginning of harvest season. And so we pick up in chapter two, and it says, it so happened that Naomi had a relative by marriage, a man named, a man who was prominent and rich, and his name was Boaz. He was a worthy man, a worthy man. Everybody say, a worthy man. Now, just a clue here. The book of Ruth is not written by Ruth. It's written by someone else named Samuel. Samuel wants you to know Naomi had no clue 
and Ruth had no clue, but at the beginning of this chapter, God knew exactly what they needed. God was giving a hint as to what Ruth was about to experience, what Naomi was about to find out. They didn't know yet, but they had a rich relative that was waiting for them. In verse two, one day Ruth got up from her bed, the Moabite foreigner, and she came to Naomi in the house and she said, I need to go to work. Everybody say, I'm going to work. Some of us need to go to work. And she said, I'm gonna get out of the house and I'm gonna go glean among the harvesters and I'm gonna find someone who will treat me kindly. And Naomi said, go ahead, girl, go to work. And so Ruth got up, she got out, and she got moving towards the field of opportunity. She went in verse three and she started to glean in this field. Little did she know that the field she was gleaning in happened to be the field that was owned by Boaz, the relative of Elimelech. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us on this word, motion activated. God, I pray that you would ignite something in this place right now, here and online. Lord, stir up our faith this year, God, to be who you've called us to be, to go where you've called us to go, to do what you've called us to do, no matter the cost. Holy Spirit, take over in this place, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but motion activated things, they intrigue me. Uh, for instance, when I go into a bathroom and, and I wave my hand in front of the sink, I love that when I put my hand there, the water comes out, right? I love waving my hand in front of the, hair, uh, the, the hand dryers and when I wave my hand in front, the, the, the dryer starts. There's doors in our children's uh, hallway back here and we've got an amazing children's area back there with a the carousel and everything, but there's these doors that won't open until you get right in front of them. They're motion activated doors. Recently, I was dropping a friend off who lives in a gated neighborhood, and, and, and on my way out, I pull up to the exit gate, and it's not opening. And it says, stop right here, and the gate will open. It was a motion-activated gate, so I'm 10 feet away, and it's not opening. And I'm like, snap, there's spikes on this side. Am I trapped in this neighborhood? What are they gonna do to me? <laughs> I gotta get out! Everybody say, get out! So I pulled a little bit closer. Now I'm eight feet away from, from the spiky gate, and I'm thinking, it's still not opening. Then I get five feet closer and it's still not opening. Everybody say, don't stop at five. I would say some of you are this close to an open door. You just gotta move a little bit closer. You are inches away from the doors that God wants to open in your life, but he's saying it's motion activated. You're saying, well, God, you know, these doors are never gonna open. I'm never gonna break this bad habit. I'm never gonna get out of this toxic relationship. Things aren't ever gonna change in my family. I'm never gonna be able to start that ministry. I'm never gonna fulfill my dream. You've gotta move a little bit closer, my friend. Finally, as I got inches away from that gate, all of a sudden, the gate flung open. It was waiting for me to get to a certain spot. I believe there's things in your life that are camouflaged as closed doors, but you just gotta get a little bit closer, they're motion activated. Everybody say motion activated. Something happens at the beginning of Ruth chapter two that a lot of people miss. And this is what she does, she starts moving with her life. She had every reason to make excuses. She was a widow, she was an immigrant, she didn't know anybody, but she decided to start moving. 
She was an activator. She was an initiator. She wasn't gonna wait for handouts. She wasn't gonna file for governmental assistance. She said, I gotta go and I gotta provide for me and for my mother-in-law. I gotta get out of the house. I gotta get to work. I gotta get a job. I gotta do something with my life. I'm not gonna wait for God to bring me the harvest. God's waiting for me to go and get the harvest. It's motion activated. I gotta get out there, Naomi. And listen to this, in verse two, she asked permission. She honors Naomi. There's people in your life that are asking permission to succeed. You are the Naomi in their life. You've gotta release them so that you can increase them. Who in your life is wanting to go further? Who's wanting to get out and you're holding them back? Naomi had to realize that if she'll release the seed of Ruth, she'll increase the harvest back into her life. Ruth was a seed and Naomi was sending her seed to go and gather the harvest. If you'll release people, you'll increase people and you'll increase your own harvest as well. But what holds us back from moving? What holds us back from getting up and getting out? I don't know about you, but I like to sleep. Anybody like to sleep in this room? I've realized that at the beginning of this year, sleep has been calling my name on a daily basis. And I have two boys that one of them loves to sleep and the other one hates to sleep. My four-year-old, sleep is the least favorite activity in his day. He hates it, he doesn't wanna sleep. In fact, he was up early this morning and he went into his younger brother's room who loves to sleep and he woke him up at 6 a.m. And last night, he wouldn't go to sleep. I went up into his room four different times. My four-year-old's getting out of his bed and walking through the hallways. He wants to play with cars. He wants to play with Elmo. He wants to play with Paw Patrol. He doesn't like to sleep. But my other boy, Benaiah, he loves to sleep. He smiles when we put him in his bed. He starts singing. He grabs his, his pillow. He grabs his blankie. It's his favorite thing in the world to sleep. In fact, he'll come into the living room even when it's not nap time and he'll just take his blankie. And oh, it's, it's amazing. I wish my other kid was a little bit more. I'm just kidding. I celebrate both of my children's personalities. But Benaiah, he just, oh, he just loves to sleep. You know, Proverbs says, if you love sleep too much, poverty will overtake you. Sleep is good, but too much sleep is not good. But Benaiah, he, you know, he just likes to pull that blanket up. He'll lay there till nine in the morning and just smile. He doesn't mind just being left in his crib another hour just to lay there. The last thing he wants to hear is the alarm clock. Good morning, Paul. Rise and shine. Your best days are right in front of you. This is the day the Lord has made, Paul, but you won't see it until you get up out of bed. Paul, get up. Get up. Paul, get up. Ah, why do I have that crazy alarm clock? I just want to sleep. Just let me sleep. Good morning, Paul. Stop, please snooze, let me sleep. I know it's a new year, but I'm tired. Let me have another hour of sleep. Good morning, Paul. Rise and shine. All right, I'll Your get up. Your best days Everybody are said, right get up. Yeah. I think some of us are like this right now. In fact, 
you're here this morning, but you're, you're feeling like falling asleep right now. You're, you're ready to go back to your bed. You're like, these seats are comfy. I don't mind just sleeping through your message, Paul. You put me to sleep. Hey, listen, wake up. I remember as a teenager, my dad, he used to come into my room during the summertime, because summertime, teenagers, we get to sleep in. There's no school, right? Or so I thought. And my dad would come into my room. I'm 14 years old. He'd come in there, open the curtains at 6 a.m. He'd come and pull my blanket up, and I'd start saying things that I regret. I'd have to apologize, because I'm, I'm sleepy, and I'm cranky, and I don't know what I'm saying. And uh, he'd say, come on, get up, get up, get up, Polly, get up. I'm like, Dad. Please, it's 6 a.m., let me sleep in. He said, come on, Paul, the sun is out. Your best days are right. And you know, my dad's trying to get me excited. I'm like, I don't want my best days. I wanna sleep. <laughs> and then my dad would say this. He'd say, there's money outside. There's money. He'd say, there's dollar bills laying all over the yard. Really? $5 bills, $10 bills. Are you serious? Say, yeah, go get the lawnmower and start mowing the grass and you'll get the dollar bills. Everybody say, get up, get out, get moving. I want you to do something with me this morning. Stand up to your feet, say, get up, get out, get moving. Do it one more time, get up, get out, get moving. Get up, get out. Get moving. All right, you just got your aerobic points for the week. You can sit down. I find this, that if I'll get up, God will start releasing new things in my life. If I'll get out of my comfort zone, God will start bringing divine connections into my life. If I'll get moving in God's purpose, when you move, God moves. When you, it's motion activated, when you start moving, the promises of God start coming into your life. But it doesn't happen until you start moving. You say, no, 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 Paul, it's all grace. He's gonna deliver the harvest to my doorstep. It's like Amazon, I just get to order it. I don't even have to get out of bed. They're gonna come and hand it to me. I'm gonna hold on to my blankie. I'm gonna stay in my bed. It's all grace, baby. Grace is empowerment. Grace is empowerment to get up, get out and start moving. You gotta break up with your bed, my friend. You gotta stop being in love with sleep and you gotta start getting in love with God's purpose on your life. God says there's opportunity in the field of a worthy cause, but you're gonna have to break up with the bed of procrastination, with the bed of laziness, with the bed of blaming your parents for your own life today, with the bed of, of making excuses. You can make excuses or you can get better, but you can't do both. You gotta get up. You say, but Paul, you don't know what, what's happened to me. You don't know what happened. And, and, and if Ruth was to speak to you today, I think she would say this. I had every reason to stay in my bed. My husband died. I'm a young widow. I'm living with a crazy mother-in-law <laughs> who's bitter, who's trying to change her name. I'm a foreigner, I'm an immigrant, I don't know anybody, I have no connections, I have every reason to be mad and stay in my bed and pull the covers over my head and, 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 and scream at God, but I got up. And the second I got up, the devil started to tremble. When you get up, the demons start trembling. Oh snap, the man just got out of his bed. The woman just got up out of her discouragement. 
The marriage just got up out of making excuses. The family just got up from being discouraged about what happened, losing the job, unemployment. She just got out of her comfort zone. He just stepped into the unknown. I remember watching a movie at a young age. It was a Tarzan cartoon by Disney. And there's this moment in the cartoon where this elephant is looking at this water and her family saying, jump in. And she goes, I don't know. It looks a little questionable to me. Is it sanitary? You know, and the mom's like, yes, just get in the water. And the elephant's like, I don't know. Some of us are trying to play it safe with our life. Some of us are so afraid to fail. We're so afraid to step into the unknown. Paul, what happens if my heart gets hurt again? What happens if I, if I try marriage again and it doesn't work out? What happens if I apply somewhere and they don't accept me? You gotta try. You can't live your life always on the safe side and expect to see the harvest that God wants to bring to you. You gotta get up. I don't like it when people try to coach me and counsel me who've never walked through pain or adversity. When people try to tell me what I should do after my father passed and they've never walked through a tragedy in their life. Come talk to me when you've experienced pain. Come talk to me when you lose your dad. I'll I'll talk with you when I know that what you're about to tell me you've lived through. Ruth was someone that had walked through pain. If you can listen to me today, I'm not trying to offend anybody. But if what I'm saying is offending you, you need to hear it. You can live in the misery of yesterday's hurt and yesterday's pain and yesterday's tragedy. When my father passed, there was a time for me to mourn. There was a time for me to cry. There was a time for me to weep. There was a time for me to sleep. And then there was a time for me to wake up. And there was a time for me to get up. And there was a time for me to get out of my misery I've seen pain, I've seen hurt, I've seen adversity in our church. And I can keep making excuses and just saying, God, why did that happen? Why did we go through that season? Why did those people leave me? Stop whining about who left you and wake up to who's right in front of you. Stop whining about what didn't work out and start moving into what God has set up for you. There was a harvest waiting for Ruth to step into, but she had to get up. Everybody say, get up. I wonder what you need to get up from right now. I wonder what's holding you down. Is it fear about the future? I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. I'd rather take a step into the unknown than stay in the place of my comfort zone. I know if I'll take a step where God's leading me. If you were to read Hebrews 11 and and look, look at the stories of the hall of faith, men and women, who did something powerful with their lives, they all had to make a move. It wasn't hand delivered to them. It wasn't them sleeping in. Moses had to walk up to the Red Sea. And the second he stepped, it was motion activated. When Moses stepped up and lifted his rod, the sea parted, but he had to make a move. When you move, God moves. Gideon had to rise up out of insecurity, saying, I'm the youngest, I'm the weakest, nobody likes me, why would you pick me? He had to get up and recognize that as he moved, God was gonna move in front of him. When you stretch your hand out, the healing begins to happen. When you start to move in God's purposes, things start happening. And so in verse three, she goes to work in the field. By the way, this was harvest time. So what they had was a bag and they had some grain. Harvest season is hard work. People get excited when they hear harvest season. Like harvest time, come on somebody. 
Harvest time is long days, long nights. If you were to ask a farmer, what's harvest season like? He would say, it's the hardest season of the year. We're up early in the morning when the sun comes out and we're out late into the evening. We know that harvest season is a short window of time. If we don't get everything we need to get, we're gonna starve during the off season. Harvest time is hard work, it's urgent. It's making the most of every single day. It's tedious. They didn't have tractors back then. They didn't have all the tools we have today. So Ruth is out there and she's picking the grains. And she's putting them in her bag. She's sweating. And I can imagine that she's probably crying because she misses her family members. She misses the days where she didn't have to work, where she had a husband who would provide for her. But those days were over. And she was a widow. And she's just picking grain, hours, sweating. She didn't have a cell phone out. She wasn't Insta-storying this. Look at me, selfie. <laughs> Hope somebody notices me. Look at my grain. No, no. Ruth wasn't out there to be noticed. If you want the right men to notice you, you're not trying to itch to get their attention. You're completely focused on the season that God has for you. So many people think single season is just, it's, it's a terrible season and I just can't wait for it to be over. You'll never get single season back. It's preparation time for marriage. Someday marriage will fix all my problems. I just can't wait to be married. Marriage won't solve your problems. It will only amplify your problems. You gotta deal with your issues as a single because you take them with you into marriage. Ruth is out there and she's making the most of her single season. Your exes are history. Your future spouse is a mystery. But your current season is a gift. And that's why we call it the present. You need to make the most of it. All you have is today. Carpe diem, seize the day. Ruth was out there and she was working. She was sweating. And all of a sudden, Boaz sees her. As she's following God's path, on the other side of the field is another guy that's following God's path for his life. If you will start pursuing God's plan for your life, single girls, single guys, on the other side of the field of a worthy cause, you will find your spouse who's also pursuing God's plan for their life. You won't find him in a club. You won't find him in a bar. You won't find him smoking a joint. He's gonna be serving. He's gonna be giving. He's gonna be walking in compassion. I, I like to call it the triangle effect. That God's at the top. And here's Ruth on one side and here's Boaz on another side. And they're gonna meet at the top. Everybody say, meet me at the top. Meet me at the top. God has the right one for you. God has the right one for you, but you'll find them in the field of a worthy cause. So Boaz asks a question that godly men ask. And by the way, worthy man, the, the word that we said in verse one, that Boaz was a worthy man, that in Hebrew is, is, a, is a phrase that I wanna show to you. It's gibor hayil. When, when someone says that this guy was a worthy man, it's gibor hayil. Everybody say gibor Hail. 
This means that he was a man of war. He was a mighty man. He was strong in battle. He was a man of wisdom. He made wise decisions with his life. He wasn't uh, uh, fooling around. He wasn't playing the field. He was, he was wise. He was focused. He was a man of wealth. He was a good steward with his money. He wasn't making wasteful decisions with his finances. He was wise. He was wealthy. And he was a man of worship. This was a man's man, a dude's dude. All the ladies wanted Boaz. All the men wanted to be like Boaz. You need to get a Boaz. <laughs> and for all the men in the room, we should aspire to be a Gabor Hayil, a man of wisdom, a man who stewards our money well, a man who worships God, who puts God first, a man who knows to, how to battle in prayer and in worship and in the word of God. So Boaz takes notice. He says, who's this girl over here? Who's this girl? What's her story? He's asking questions, right? He wants to know the background. He's not just interested in her looks. He's interested in her legacy. He wants to know where did she come from? What is she all about? And so these, these people that are working in the field, they say, hey, Boaz, that girl, she's been working all day. She came from Moab. She's a foreigner. She came with her mother-in-law, Naomi, you know, the one who's kind of crazy a little bit. And uh, she's working out here to provide for herself and for her mother-in-law. She's been working from early morning all the way till evening. She hasn't even taken a break. Your story precedes you. What will people say? as you've been working in the field. Someone's always watching. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Watch, baby, watch, baby, watch, baby, watch. <laughs> Somebody say, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Can I tell you, God is watching. Even when your supervisor isn't watching. And God's watching how you gather your grain. God's watching the integrity you have with your time card. God's watching the way you treat the people in your life that can do nothing for you. God's watching how you respond to life's hardships. And he's got a harvest lined up for you. He's got a harvest lined up for you. He's saying, I've been watching your movements. I've been watching your tears. I've been watching you sweat. I've been watching you give it all you got, even when you, you've walked through all the pain that life has brought upon you. And watch what Boaz says to her, I love this. He says, listen, Ruth, I don't know you, but from now on, I don't want you to go to any other field to glean. I want you in this field. Stay right here. Stay with my people. We're gonna take care of you. When you get thirsty, don't go drinking from any other man's well. I want you drinking from my wells. Some of you thirsty people out there, this is a word. God's saying, stop drinking from everyone else, from everything else. He can't satisfy you, the pill can't satisfy you, the, the bottles won't satisfy you, the porn won't satisfy you, none of that stuff's gonna fix you. Drink from the well of living water. This is a shadow of the New Testament. Boaz is the redeemer. Jesus is saying, come and drink from the well that will not run dry. You'll be thirsty the rest of your life if you keep running to more men and more women and more girls, more guys. But once you get satisfied, from the well of living water, you become a full, complete person. So you're not going into marriage going, you complete me. You're going into marriage saying, I'm already complete in Christ and I can have a healthy marriage and I can love you and I can be there for you, but I don't have to need you as if you're my savior because I got a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He redeemed my life. He changed my life. So I'm not going into marriage for you to fix me because God's the only one that can fix me. I love what Boaz says. He says, we're gonna protect you. 
Boaz went to his men in, in verse nine. He said, you see that beautiful girl over there? And they're like, uh-huh. He said, that's Ruthie, baby Ruth. If you touch baby Ruth, I got fields all over this land and no one will find your body. He was saying, time's up. No sexual harassment. Don't mess with that girl. Time's up. Not on my field, not on my watch. He was a man who would protect the innocent. He would protect the foreigner. Why would he do this? Ruth was overwhelmed by his kindness. In verse 10, she falls to her knees. She says, who am I? Why would you treat me with such kindness? I'm a foreigner. I wonder if Boaz was doing this because he knew what it was like to be an outsider. He was the son of Rahab. You forgot about that. His mom was a prostitute. She was a foreigner. She was an immigrant. She lived in Jericho. And Joshua sent spies years before this to go into Jericho. And Rahab knew that the people of God were going to take Jericho. And so she grafted herself in. She was an outsider searching to become an insider. Boaz heard the stories. He knew growing up what it was like to be an immigrant, a foreigner, and to be grafted into the family of God. He had a soft spot in his heart for outsiders. He knew what it was like, the pain that she had walked through. She was a godly girl. She was asking a godly question. She says, what's your motive? What do you wanna get from this? Do you have a hidden agenda? You know I got baggage, by the way. You know I had a marriage that, that ended with my husband's death. You know I came from a foreign land. We had foreign gods, foreign customs, and, and I'm new to this. I'm new to this Christian thing. I'm new to this Israel thing. I'm new to your traditions, and, and I also have a crazy mother-in-law. You're gonna get her too if you want me. Everybody say baggage. And I love what Boaz says back to her in verse 11. He says, I heard about that. I heard about the baggage. I heard about what you did for your mother-in-law. I heard about the pain that you walked through. I know where you came from. I know what life did to you. And I see God all over your life. And God's gonna reward you. And he's gonna take care of you. And I wanna be there to help you. I don't have a hidden agenda. I'm not trying to get with you, Ruth. My heart goes out to you. That's the kind of man you want. You don't want a man who's doing things with strings attached. There's men like that out there. There's godly men. Don't be fooled by what you see in the news and in the world saying every man's the same. They're not. There's some godly men out there. Single men, don't be fooled by what you've seen in the world, in the media, saying all the girls, they're all the same. There's not. There's Ruths out there. There's godly girls. There's girls that don't mind sweating. There's girls that don't mind doing what God's called them to do, giving up, giving up the pleasure of today and sacrificing their time and serving their mother-in-laws that they don't have to serve. There's Ruths out there. My prayer as a pastor is that every single in our church, every single man, every single woman would find the godly spouse that he has for them. My wife and I, we're, we're matchmakers. We're always trying to set our friends up like Daniel Henshaw, I need to get him a wife. <laughs> Just putting that plug in there. If you're watching online, we got a godly Boaz in this place. <laughs> Everybody say, get up, get out, get moving. God was watching Ruth 
He was orchestrating this relationship. This is better than a Hallmark movie. It's better than any rom-com you've seen. That's romantic comedy for y'all. God was, he was orchestrating it. Ruth's compassion and generosity to serve Naomi was attractive to Boaz. Ruth modeled loyalty. She modeled faithfulness. She modeled a strong work ethic. She modeled a pursuit of God's plan for her life. This was all attractive. Boaz wasn't, I mean, he liked the looks, but it was the legacy. It was, it was wow, this woman is going somewhere with her life. She's serious about her future. When you do for others what they can't do for themselves, God does for you what you can't do for yourself. You never lose when you help others win. I heard this story about this mountain climber who was on the way to the top of a mountain and it's blizzard, it's snowing, and, and he's like 100 yards away from the top. And he's freezing and he's been going at it all day. And all of a sudden he looks to the right side of the path and he sees this other mountain climber who's, who's in a fetal position and looks like he's hurting. And the mountain climber's looking at the top looking at this person over here that needs help. He's looking at the top and he knows, man, if I go to help him, I may not make it to the top. But this person needs help. And, and this is a true story. This expert climber went off the path and he bent down and this man was dying of frostbite and, and was unconscious. And so this expert climber starts massaging his face and his, his neck and his shoulders, just trying to get him to come back to, to life, get him conscious again. And finally, the guy wakes up and the expert climber picks him up and walks him down to the base that he had started earlier that day from, gives up going to the top. The medic examines this man who, who had been in the fetal position, says, had you not stopped to help him and set down your own stuff to help him, he would have died. But the medic said, as I'm looking at you and your blood and your immune system and, 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 and what, what your body's going through, he said, you didn't even realize it. You were pushing past the pain. You would have died at the top of the mountain. Your body was going into, it, it was going into a, a zone that was going to kill you at the top. When you stopped to save him, not only did you save his life, you saved your life in the process. See, you never lose when you help others win. Ruth was serving Naomi, saving Naomi's life, and little did she know she was setting herself up to step into the greatest story. She would become the grandmother of David. She would become one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus Christ. She was stepping into the unknown. I don't wanna get to this time next year and say, I made it to the top. I wanna get to next year and say, this time next year, I wanna say, I not only made it to the top, I brought some people with me. I helped some people along the way. You never lose when you help up. This year, make a commitment that you're gonna serve some people that could do nothing for you. Now, let me just wrap this up. I'm almost done, but this is so important here. Boaz said, come take a break, Ruth. I wanna take care of you. I wanna help you out. So she took a meal break. Then Boaz said in verse six, 15 through 16, he said, I'm, I'm gonna set some things aside, some bundles to the side. I wanna make it easy for Ruth. She showed up, let's make it easy for her. I want bundles of grain so that when Ruth steps out there, all she has to do is pick up the bundles. This was favor. Everybody say, favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair, baby. God's about to bring favor in your life. 
bundles that you didn't have to work for that'll be set to the side because you started moving, God started moving. God's working behind the scenes, but Ruth is working behind the scenes. Together, all of a sudden, Ruth is seeing the doors are opening up. The favor is falling on Ruth. That night, she brought home 50 pounds of grain, an ephah of grain. After working hard, threshing it on the threshing floor, she comes in with this massive bag of grain, and Naomi says, where have you been, girl? Let's have some girl talk. Who you been with? She said, there was this guy. There was this guy. She said, tell me about this guy. Ruth was like, his name is Boaz. Naomi said, oh, wait a minute. He's connected to us through Elimelech. He's part of our covenant redeemers. Ruth, you need to stay close to him. Ruth said, yeah, yeah, he told me don't go to any other field, that I'm supposed to stay in this field, that the favor is in this field. If you'll follow the favor, the favor will follow you. I've noticed that the more I follow up on the favor of God that's falling in my life, the more that favor starts to trickle, the more it starts to multiply, the momentum begins to build. You can play all the fields or you can follow the field of favor. God told me recently, a couple years ago, there was someone who reached out to me, a mentor, just kind of made one little sign of, of noticing. Hey, Paul, I see you, you're doing a good job. God said, follow the favor. So I sent a thank you card. He said, hey, call me anytime you need something. Here's my cell number. So I called him. He said, hey, sometime come and visit me at my, we're talking about, I won't even say his name, but a key pastor in the world that's making an impact. As you follow the favor that God, God's dropping the crumbs, but you gotta follow. He said, I've got so much more, but you gotta follow. Don't try to play the field. Don't try to get 20 different numbers. Follow where God's already leading you. He's got so much more. As you dig deeper in the ground that's right beneath you, single season, make the most of the relationships. You have divine connections. As you get up, as you get out, as you get moving, you're gonna start to see God-sized doors begin to open. Every step matters. If Ruth had not been willing to take the practical step, she would not have seen the supernatural blessing. Practical application precedes supernatural transformation. If you'll start gleaning like Ruth gleaned, what is gleaning? It's getting the most. If you'll start gleaning in the field of God's word, you'll start to dig deep in the field of God's word. You'll start to see the steps that God has for you. If you'll start gleaning in the field of God's church on a weekly basis, gleaning in the field of serving on God's dream team, gleaning in the field of God's presence, just staying after in worship, just hanging out a little bit longer, not rushing to go to a new movie or going out to eat, just gleaning in the relationships that God has for you. I'm telling you, the doors will start to open. You gotta glean. You gotta glean in the field that God has for you. So it ends with this. It ends with Naomi saying, Ruth, stay right in that field. I want you to stand your feet all over this room. We're gonna water baptize some people right now, but I wanna do something during this water baptisms. If you wouldn't mind just staying and gleaning for a moment, these next five to six minutes, I promise you it'll be worth it. We're gonna start to sing a worship song. And during this worship song, I wanna invite those of you here today that say, I hear God speaking to me that there's some things I need to get up from. There's some things I need to get out from. There's comfort zones, there's fears, there's discouragement, there's despair, there's tragedies from my past, there's adversity that's been weighing me down and I've gotta get up and I've gotta get out and I've gotta get moving. There's some things that God's called you to move on this year, some steps he's called you to walk in, some obedience that he's waiting for you to walk into and the second you do, it's motion activated. The second you do, all of a sudden, 
things are gonna start happening. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here right now and you know God's speaking to you to get up from something, I want you to just raise your hand. You know what it is. Get up from that addiction. Get up from that fear. Get up from that laziness. Get up from procrastinating. Get up today from excuses. Get up. Secondly, you hear God speaking to you to get out. Get out of some things that you've been stuck in. Get out of the, the ways that you've been doing things. The attitude. Get out from that, that mentality, that habit, that toxic relationship, that toxic situation and to get moving. If you're here right now, you need to make some decisions to get up, to get out, to get moving. I want you to just raise your hand. You know who you are. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 yes. It's not knowledge that's holding you back. It's just surrender. The second you surrender and you say, I know what I need to do. I've just got to do it. I know what I need to stop doing. I just got to stop it. Today, I'm deciding then I'm moving forward. I'm gonna make the most of today. Maybe you're a single and you've been waiting for the right spouse, but you know today God was speaking to you on some things. I want you to raise your hand. Today's your day. Surrender, surrender. The key to, to success is in your surrender. The key to succeeding in God's plan is surrendering to God's will. Last but not least, you say, Paul, I'm not right with God, but I wanna get right with God. In this moment, right here, right now, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I wanna repent and I wanna surrender. With heads bowed, eyes closed, on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to lift your hands. One, you're not promised tomorrow. All you have is today. Two, if Jesus came back this week, does, do you truly know that he's Lord of your life? Three, this is your moment. Just lift your hand. Just saying, I'm getting right with God. I'm surrendering. Yeah, hands going up all over this place from the front to the back. If you raise your hands for any of those things I ask, I want you to just leave your seat as a step towards your destiny. Just move, move. As you move, God's gonna move. As you move, God's gonna move. Get up, get out, get moving. Get up, get out, get moving. Get up, get out, get moving. Right here, right now, this is your moment. This is your life. This is the day the Lord has made. He has great plans for you. Let's sing that song, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender.
God, I thank you right now for every person in this room that this is the year, God, that they follow your path, your plan. God, that they surround themselves, Lord, with your people. God, that they get serious about the thing you've called them to do. Lord, I thank you, God. No more going back to yesterday. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that they're rising up. And God, they're taking authority over every thought that's not of you, every attitude that's not of you. And today they're saying, God, have your way in my life. Have your way in my life, through my life. I'm all yours. I'm letting go of the bitterness. I'm letting go of the resentment. I'm letting go of the anger. I'm letting go of the hatred. I'm getting up from this old way of thinking, this old way of living. I'm gonna move into this new thing, God, that you wanna do in my life. If you only knew the stories of every person that's getting baptized right now, it's incredible what God is doing in their lives. I want you to know that this time next year, God's gonna be doing something over the next 12 months. God's gonna be doing something that's gonna blow your mind. You're gonna be so far ahead from where you were right now. This time next year, you're gonna say, God did it. He did it. He did it. He broke off the bad habits. He changed my heart. He elevated me. He, he accelerated my dreams. He, accelo he accelerated the development inside me, the growth, the process that he was bringing me through. He brought me to the right people. Little did Ruth know that she would be saying this time next year, everything was different. Everything was different. She was preparing. She was working hard in the harvest season. And the day was going to come where everything she had been waiting on come to pass. Everything would come to pass. Don't worry. Don't worry. God's got you. He's watching over you. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender to you. I repent of my sins and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. By grace, through faith, I am saved. Jesus, you are my Lord, my Savior. You complete me. Change me from the inside out. I'm all yours, God. Use my life to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God praise. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.